This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hello and welcome to Savor, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about bulgogi. Yes. Yes. Fun with pronunciations, for sure. Oh my goodness, yes. I, I, don't, I don't know Korean, as it turns out. And uh, so... That is going to be a theme throughout this episode. Yes, it will be. It will be. Uh, was there any particular reason this was on your mind, Lauren? Uh, you know, I think I've been wanting to do bibimbap for a while, uh, mm. but it, it's a little bit trickier to nail down. This seemed, as I was getting into it, famous last words, uh, like it was going to be relatively straightforward. Um, uh, I love... Mm. I love Korean food here in Atlanta. We're lucky to have a number of amazing Korean restaurants. Um, and uh, yeah, the cravings in this one. Yes. The cravings. Yes, very much. <laughs> I remember the first time I had bulgogi um, and it's been bowling is to thank for this. Our uh, colleague and friend, hmm. D&D compatriot. Because I've said a million times, but I came from a small town. There was no bulgogi to be had there. Uh, when I came to Atlanta, I got introduced to all these things. But I remember it was Ben Bolin. I think he kind of mentioned it in passing. And I was like, ooh, what is that? I want that. What is that? Mm -hmm. And I loved it. And um, at the time, you could get it at Trader Joe's, not a sponsor. Mm -hmm. And I would get it there. And cook it for my family, but my older Ooh. brother, there was something in there that like his stomach didn't sit well with, so we oh. stopped making oh, it. No. <laughs> um, but it was a very beautiful period of my life <laughs> when I discovered bulgogi. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I had had any before before I was in Atlanta because right, yeah. I also did not have access to uh to 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 that cuisine when I was growing up, and uh, 
it was actually a it was actually a coworker at like the job I had before How Stuff Works, so a full fifteen-ish years ago. Uh, I, I had a I had a coworker from South Korea who was like, "Oh man, we have to go to this restaurant." But he was yeah in Boston at the time. So, but yeah, but then I came back here and I was like, "Oh, this is everywhere. Cool." Yeah, yeah. Uh, not hard to find. We're very lucky, as you said. Um, yes, you can see our episodes we've done on things like kimchi mm-hmm. uh, for more context. Mm-hmm. And uh, gochujang. Yes. Uh, but I guess that brings us to our question. Sure. Bulgogi. What is it? Well, uh, bulgogi is a type of dish made of very thin, bite-sized slices of meat, usually beef, uh, marinated in a savory, sweet, pungent, salty sauce made from uh, soy sauce, sugar, garlic, ginger, and sesame oil, among other seasonings. Uh, The meat is then usually grilled until tender with a little crisp and char at the edges, uh, maybe a tiny bit saucy from the marinade. It's often served family style uh, or, or even cooked on a mini grill like at the table with a range of accompaniments, including steamed white rice, uh, large leaf lettuce, various spicy pickled vegetables, uh, and various sauces for dipping and or drizzling. You, you like make yourself little lettuce wraps with a little bit of everything you want in each bite. It can also be served over a bowl of rice, uh, maybe made uh, saucier, or you can cook the marinated beef into a soup. You can use other proteins or add mix-ins to the marinade, like sliced onion or mushrooms. It is so satisfying. Um, Like, if you eat beef, this is just a perfect preparation of it. Um, You know, like, meltingly tender, chewy, and with fatty richness tempered by those sweet, funky, tart, spicy flavors. Uh, You get some crunch from the lettuce and the pickles, uh, some soft fluff from the rice. It's almost like... um, it's like meat noodles. Uh, it's like it's like if perfect stir-fried flat noodles were made of the best barbecue you've had in your life. It's just a perfect comfort food. Um, it's like it's like when the heat kicks on and you put yourself just right in front of the radiator or like on top of the heat vent and just instant full body warmth. Mm. Well, now you've made the cravings worse. Thank you. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> it's a skill. It's a skill. <laughs> I was so mad the entire time I was doing this reading. I was like, I was like, don't. You cannot order 100 pounds <laughs> of bulgogi right bulgogi. now. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, okay. Anyway. Um, okay. So, so. Uh, Bulgogi is a type of a quick cooking barbecue. You're you're looking to get your main ingredient to a place where it'll cook through in just a couple minutes um, and be nice and tender and in bite-sized pieces. Beef is the most traditional. Um, you know, like a, a something already tender with nice marbling is preferred, like a like a cut like a ribeye or sirloin, and then cut as thin as possible against the grain. Um, some recipes will recommend freezing a steak for a little bit before cutting it to help. Um, some recommend using an electric meat slicer to get it really thin. Tougher cuts of beef can be marinated for longer, though. Uh, Chicken is also common, as is uh, often spicier marinated pork. Um, I've seen recipes for vegetarian versions, too, using some kind of vegetarian protein substitute or sliced mushrooms and peppers and onions, something like that. Then, the marinade. 
Okay, um, the ingredients can vary by personal taste or regional or family recipe, but commonly we'll start with soy sauce for salt um, and, and, and savory flavors as well. Some kind of bright, clean-tasting rice wine, uh, maybe some brown sugar to help balance the, the saltiness, um, sesame oil, grated garlic and ginger, and a little bit of black pepper. You might also add things like gochujang, which is a spicy fermented chili pepper sauce, um, or maybe the uh, juice or puree of things like Asian pear or kiwi, um, or uh, sesame seeds for extra nutty punch. Yeah, uh, sometimes you'll blend the sauce into a smooth liquid, sometimes you won't. And then marinade science. All right. Mm. <laughs> As we've, as we've talked about before in our episodes about various meat dishes, um, uh, turkey, pastrami, ceviche, fried chicken, others? Sure. I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. There are a number of ways to muck around with protein molecules in your food, either before or instead of heating them up, in order to make your finished product what you want it to be. Um, acids and alcohols will make protein fibers kind of clamp up. Um, salt and some enzymes found in various fruits and vegetables like Asian pears and kiwis and the recently discussed papaya um, will make those, those fibers relax. Um, in the case of bulgogi, you're, you're exposing such thin and cross-grained slices of meat to the marinade um, so that the proteins in them are in much more direct contact with those things than they would be if you were marinating like a whole steak or like a chicken thigh or whatever, you know. Um, that's why a lot of recipes call for only marinating your protein for a short period of time, like half an hour. Um, more time might start to affect the texture of the meat. But depending on what protein you're using or, you know, your personal taste, you might want to affect the texture of the meat. I can't tell you what to do. In the proportions that, that things go into bulgogi marinade, uh, the effect is going to be overall relaxing on the proteins due to uh, salt and possibly that fruit enzyme content. Um, I think any alcohol in there is really just for its own flavor and or to like help with sauce caramelization. If anyone wants to do a scientific study on this, I welcome you to. Um, <laughs> I, we dare you. <laughs> the, the internet is really full of really confusing, conflicting information about marinades. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't really find anything about, you know, what happens in a cross section of, of beef like this. So here we are. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> mm -hmm. Okay. Cooking the thing. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. You add your thin sliced whatever to your marinade and let it soak. You might also add sliced onion or mushroom or other vegetables at this point. After whatever amount of time you deem appropriate, you remove the stuff from the sauce and cook it quickly on a grill, preferably heated by charcoal to get a little bit of that flavor in there. Yeah. And then it can be served uh, simply over rice, uh, usually at that point with a couple of vegetable side dishes, or alongside rice, uh, often with leaf lettuce to make handheld wraps, and then with uh, kimchi or other fermented vegetables and uh, sauces like samjang, which is a type of uh, spicy, funky condiment made with fermented soybean paste and gochujang um, and, and other stuff uh, that's often served or pretty much always served with lettuce wraps. Uh, no, note here that I've been saying lettuce, um, but the leaf wrap does not have to be lettuce. Uh, it, any leafy green that's good, either fresh or steamed or blanched, could be used depending on what's local and deemed tasty. Uh, mm. 
For this traditional approach, either in restaurants or at home, um, you might have a small grill either built into the table or like portable and brought to the table. And each diner might grill or pluck off their own pieces as as they go, as they're eating. Um, the grill top can be grated or like a dome that allows cooking liquid to collect in a ring around the bottom. Though from what I understand, this, uh, this table side shtick is considered sort of old fashioned and a little kitschy by South Koreans these days. I get the idea like sort of in the way that we perceive fondue mm. um, mm-hmm. and is often reserved for special occasions. Um, yes, Korea is where this dish is from. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, you can do whatever else you want with marinated stuff. You know, um, you can cook it in a stovetop pan if that's what you've got. You can leave the marinade in to make a nice sauce. Uh, You can add some nice glass-type noodles to make a noodle sort of stir-fry. You can toss your cooked stuff in a sandwich bun. Bulgogi Philly. I don't know. Um, Or or instead of a a stovetop or grill top, you can add the raw pieces to a hot pot or or otherwise to some kind of hot broth for a soup situation. Um, And depending on the region of Korea you're in, this might be the more traditional preparation. Uh, you can, yeah, so, so this is both a home and a restaurant product. You can also buy bottled bulgogi sauce, um, markets catering to Koreans all over the world sell pre-sliced and marinated bulgogi meat that's like ready to cook. You can also find ready to heat bulgogi, frozen or refrigerated. It's out there. It is. It is indeed. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, (laughs) what about the nutrition? (laughs) Oh, it depends. Um, you know, usually lots of protein, uh, can be heavy on the fats and salts depending, It'll definitely help fill you up. Uh, you know, uh, drink water, eat, eat, eat a vegetable. Get the lettuce. Yeah. The le- or whatever leafy green. Or whatever. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. Well, we do have some numbers for you. We do. Okay. So um, I, I did a lot of reading for this one, y'all, and I read a lot of numbers, um, but like really dynamic ones were a little bit hard to isolate around this dish specifically. Um, but okay, bulgogi is a very popular food in South Korea and, and also a very popular Korean dish in foreign cultures. Um, you know, people, people like barbecue. Um, so, uh, for example, um, in 1996, the South Korean Ministry of Culture and Sports named bulgogi one of the top 10 symbols of Korea. Uh, mm-hmm. as of 2023, Jeju Air, which is a budget airliner out of South Korea, um, Bulgogi over rice had been the most popular in-flight meal for five years running, um, comprising a full quarter of in-flight food sales. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and in a study out of South Korea in 1995, um, of 11 Korean dishes sampled by American study participants, the participants rated bulgogi the tastiest. Huh. Mm-hmm. Also, between 1980 and 2005, the New York Times mentioned bulgogi 47 times. Um, the, wow. <laughs> the only Korean foods mentioned more often during that period were kimchi and uh, uh, scallion pancakes. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also delicious. <laughs> yes. Um, but all of that was, uh, or, or those two, those two American examples anyway, were before the really big surge um, in Korean culture internationally, um, referred to as the Korean wave, or sometimes by the Chinese term, um, Hallyu. Uh, and that started in the early 2000s. So just for example, like a, a market study found that American interest in Korean cuisine spiked almost 90% during 2021 alone. 
just wow. just about doubled that year. Um, mm-hmm. A different survey from the end of 2022 found that in 26 countries around the world, about three quarters of respondents said that Korean cuisine is either very or moderately popular where they live. Mm. And a survey of Korean wave trends overall uh, found that as of 2023, Korean food was the most popular cultural item outside of the peninsula, um, capturing some 49% of the public's interest. Um, that was followed by music and movies. Wow. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I, 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 like, I like food, so I can't really argue, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Um, well, if you want to learn more about this, incidentally, we did talk about this K-Wave and K-Pop and K-Dramas over on Sminty. Oh, cool. Uh, stuff I never told you. Uh, so if you wanted to learn more about that, but yeah, it's a pretty big deal. <laughs> yeah, a little a bit. big deal. A little bit. Just a, just a little bit of a thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, we we do have a history for you. We've got a history we, to go through. We heckin' do. Uh, and we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Okay, so this one was quite a history to wrangle. Yes. Um, Yep. As mentioned, pronunciation, fun times for us. But uh, historians believe that bulgogi's origins go all the way back to the evolution of a meat preparation similar to kebabs, um, first used in Korea sometime between 37 BCE uh, to 668, <laughs> 668 CE. I don't know why I mix up my numbers like that sometimes, but you know what I mean. <laughs> it, it's it's fun. Saying numbers out loud is really wild. Um, uh, <laughs> j- just try it. If if y'all aren't used to to to, to reading a number out loud, <laughs> it's it's really <laughs> wacky. Um, we promise. <laughs> <laughs> It's not just us. Um, but okay. Uh, uh, that, that time span is because this was in the ancient kingdom of uh, Goguryu, 
which ruled during that period in, in the north-central part of the Korean peninsula and, um, and then up further north into what's now like China, Russia. Right. And this preparation was called mekchuk and consisted of pre-marinated skewered roasted meat. Over time, the meat was marinated and soaked in water perhaps three times, according to some things I read. And it usually came into a, a brothy dish. So that was a long time ago. Big time skip. Mm-hmm. By the 20th century, this dish evolved again into a very thinly sliced, marinated, seasoned, and charbolled meat that was much loved by the well-off called Niobiani. And again, I looked up, I even watched videos in Korean and was trying to find where is the pronunciation. I'm very sorry if I butchered it. <laughs> I, did, I did not discover it. We we try. We try. We do try. Uh, but always write in. Let us know. Oh, yeah, yeah. The seasoning typically called for salt, pepper, soy sauce, garlic, scallion, sesame oil, sugar, and pear juice, which was, yes, largely Asian pear from what I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Asian pear, also called the apple pear or sand pear, among other common names. Um, the botanical name is Pyrus pyrifolia. Um, and, and they're those large, roundish, uh, golden speckled pears that, that often come individually wrapped in like the weird little like webbing kind of stuff to, to keep them fresh. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. they're, they're crisp like an apple and have this really nice, delicate, sweet, tart sort of flavor, adding it, adding it to the ever-growing list. I love, I love an Asian pear. Oh yes. my goodness. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Um, but okay, this is where a series of complicated factors came into play to eventually arrive at what we now know as bulgogi, uh, which can refer to both uh, the brothy dish and the straight-up grilled meat. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the big things about this was the increasing widespread availability and commercialization of beef in Korea beginning in the 1920s and 30s. Um, previously, cows were too limited and important to not use for their labor in the region. As the population of cattle grew, though, um, naturally beef ended up in more dishes and it was accessible for more folks, especially in bigger cities where early records show people were raising beef specifically for their meat. Yeah, uh, the, the 20s and 30s were during Japan's colonization of Korea, which happened from 1910 through, through the end of World War II. And due to a number of factors around industrialization and harsh Japanese rule, uh, a lot of people during this time were moving from rural to urban areas. And so foodways were changing. Right. And at the same time, bulgogi was becoming cemented in dining out culture and thus commercialized as well. Bulgogi continued to evolve, uh, pretty much splitting along those two basic paths, the one with the broth and the roasted dish. Yeah. Yeah. because beef was becoming more available, um, like production of a lot of stuff was on the rise, but meat would have still been expensive for the average person. And at this time, um, the roasted type of bulgogi was probably considered like a side dish instead of a main. And it's similarly, like a soup is a really tasty way to stretch a limited amount of meat. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> hmm. The rise of iron production and the long-standing popularity of certain broths and stews is also believed to have had a key in popularizing bulgogi. The term 
Bulgogi first appeared in a written document in 1922, though the context kind of suggests that it had been used to refer to any type of roasted meat, like not just the thinly sliced we would think of. Yeah, um, it's a little bit difficult to tell from um, from the piece in question because, okay, this was in a short story that appeared like in a literary magazine uh, in 1922. And, and, and I love this reference. In in the story, the narrator refers to his romantic rival's expression, like facial expression, as they're entering this sort of polite but tense public standoff. And the narrator says, uh, this is in translation perhaps, obviously, his face was like a lump of bulgogi being cooked over brightly burning charcoal. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> right? Because it's like, you can see it. It's like yeah. in. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, but right, so it's it's hard to tell exactly what type of cut of meat <laughs> is is True. being referred to by that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a sick burn is what we can say. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, the memoir of the first mayor of Seoul, uh, South Korea, mentions bulgogi and meat broth in reference to a dish he had in 1926 while visiting Korean relatives in Hawaii. Uh it was written later, though, so that's one of those things where it's like... Yeah, because he wrote it in the 1980s, uh, the memoir. Yeah. And so, like, right, what, what it was, was and what his memory is. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, a 1927 text out of Japan suggests that bulgogi was sold commercially and widely available in Korean restaurants. Yeah, uh, uh, bulgogi was adapted into Japanese cuisine under the name uh, yakiniku. So if you've ever had that in a Japanese restaurant, that's bulgogi. Basically. Yeah. Uh, And I love this fact. Uh, A 1935 article detailed an incident in which bulgogi was banned in a famous Pyongyang amusement park because it was believed that the smoke from cooking bulgogi in the open air was drying out the nearby trees. Um, So what we can take from this, at least, (laughs) is that the grilled or roasted version uh, was the specialty of this area. Or at least it was pretty, it was well known. Yeah, yeah. There are a few other documents other than this, like, park (laughs) uh, band. I love it, though. Yeah. (laughs) That that placed the grilled version uh, in in that city. Right. Uh, Also, Bulgogi was mentioned in a 1930s pop song, which, again, goes to show that it was well-known at the time. Oh, I love this one, too. Okay, uh, the singer of the song, A Lady, is talking about this rude guy, possibly a boyfriend. It's, it's sort of like No Scrubs, like the Bulgogi version. Um, <laughs> and uh, and one of the things that the, that the lady says about this guy is that he, like, he eats all of her side dishes. Like, he eats the Bulgogi and the rice cakes and gives her only bean sprouts. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, get out of there. <laughs> That's not acceptable. No. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> uh, um, okay. However, um, after World War II, there were a lot of serious supply shortages, um, especially of expensive things like beef. This was during the division of Korea. Um, very basically, after the Second World War ended, the Allies kicked Japan out and split the peninsula into the USSR run zone in the north and the United States run zone in the south, which was supposed to be temporary but led to the divide between North and South Korea that continues to this day um, and also more immediately directly to, to the Korean War in the early 1950s. 
So all of these were, were lean times for South Korea, and, and one can assume for North Korea as well, though the government there has never liked information about their goings-on, you know, getting out. So um, so this is also kind of where our timeline splits along that North-South divide. Um, and the rest of this is focusing on South Korea. Um, th- though, of course, refugees from the North would have brought their food traditions with them. So, Right. And yes, it, it did take a few decades for the beef industry to, to bounce back from all of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, reviews written about restaurants serving bulgogi credit these restaurants with bringing this dish to the masses in the 1960s. I also found a really interesting article about the shift of like, fine, not fine dining, like dining with a family versus a huge get together mm-hmm. uh, that was happening during this time that bulgogi was also part of. Uh, around the same time, beef broth bulgogi first debuted on a large scale. Uh, Yeah, that was also happening in restaurants where, right, um, it was considered more practical as a small family meal than as like a like a large gathering kind of meal. Um, Mm -hmm. But bulgogi was also being made in middle class homes, as is evidenced by uh, recipes in women's magazines from the time. The first bulgogi grill was patented in 1962. And this is around the time reports of bulgogi's popularity in places like Thailand started popping up. Um, Though the term seemed to largely refer to roasted meat a lot of the times. Yeah, uh, hard to hard to suss out. Again, like the face thing. Like, like how big of a lump <laughs> of meat is that? I'm not sure. Right. <laughs> the, the dish was, of course, adapted to local tastes and, and supplies wherever it developed and spread. Just for one example, uh, down in the southeast city of uh, Ulsan, I hope I'm not butchering that, um, uh, which had iron and salt and access to local cattle and charcoal. Um, this specific style of of almost like ground beef style, uh, uh, crispy grilled bulgogi developed. Um, it's called uh, onyang bulgogi. Uh, and yeah, like like first as a side dish for working class folks out in the country town where it gets its name from, and then later as like a tourist known local delicacy. Um, but yeah, other other variations would have used uh, seafood like squid or uh, vegetables like eggplant. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh well, as Korean immigrants arrived in the U.S. after the Korean War, they bought bulgogi with them. And yeah, it became one of the most well-known Korean dishes in the country for non-Koreans. And uh, soon after the Seoul Olympics in 1988, the popularity of bulgogi started to decline. Uh, in South served, Korea specifically, yeah, yeah. Yes, in South Korea specifically, you served by the non-marinated, non-seasoned sirloin and galbi. Uh, according to one article from the time, this was due to the lack of trust people had in restaurants. Another cited a new preference to taste the, like, unseasoned freshness hmm. of ingredients. Mm-hmm. Uh, the price of cuts typically used for bulgogi dropped by over 20% because of all this. And to combat this, the Korean Council of Beef Consumption Promotion launched the Let's Eat Bulgogi campaign in 2004. Um, yes. Which kind of related, the bulgogi burger debuted on the menus of fast food chains in Korea in 1992 and was available until 1996. I think that there's still one on McDonald's South Korean menu. Um, It's like a ground pork patty topped with sweet bulgogi sauce, uh, lettuce, and mayo. 
Mm-hmm. Right in, listeners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've heard it's delicious. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, um, the aforementioned Korean wave uh, got started in like the 1990s and early 2000s as a whole bunch of legal factors, such as uh, travel from South Korea and censorship of media there began opening up. In 2010, bulgogi was part of the menu offered to Korean astronauts. Mm-hmm. And in 2014, in the U.S., we started seeing these generic bulgogi advertisements. Uh, like featuring a Korean-American outfielder for the Texas Rangers. Okay. Yes, and they started popping up here as part of an ad campaign around Korean culture. And it confused many people, <laughs> um, including NPR employee Louise Clemens, who tried to get to the bottom of the ads and wrote, And what was with the promotion of a national dish rather than a brand? It's hard to imagine an equivalent ad. It's like Justin Timberlake appearing in a British newspaper ad touting the great taste of hamburgers. Not Burger King or McDonald's or Wendy's. Nope. Just hamburgers. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it it turned out to be part of a of a to be fair convoluted chain of uh, of soft power marketing attempts. Yeah, um, I I feel like Clemens was being kind of purposefully obtuse about that for for humor, but also objectively, like the ad is funny in a way that does not immediately reveal whether the advertisers are like in on the joke. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, I mean, soft, soft power is absolutely a very large part of the spread of dishes like this. And we've talked about that countless times. We talked about it in fondue, um, uh, yeah. for, mm-hmm. for, for a lot of different, different countries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, on a slightly more general note in 2018, I just found this interesting. Uh, South Korea became the biggest importer of beef produced in the state of Colorado. Um, buying up almost a third of the state's billion-dollar beef exports, um, beating out Japan and Canada, which, which yeah, just points to the general popularity of dishes like bulgogi on the Korean food market. Mm. Well, I tell you, I the craving is strong. <laughs> I understand. Really I strong now. Really strong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So good. I don't. I don't eat a lot of meat. I don't usually crave it, but holy heck! Yeah. Looking, looking at photos of this for the past couple of days, I was just like, oh no, oh mm-hmm. no, <laughs> oh, dang it! Well, added to our huge feast. Yeah, um. <laughs> yeah. Oh heck. Yeah. But yeah, uh, you know, um, uh, a- a- Annie and I have relatively uh, little little experience with uh with this so if anyone has uh uh, stories history uh anything that we missed any personal memories you want to add in there we would love to know about them yes yes we would but we we do have some listener mail already prepared for you we do and we're going to get into that as soon as we get back from one more quick break for a word from our sponsors This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. 
Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with the charring of the face <laughs> or the meat. Either way. Or both. Hey. Both. Hey. Oh, oh no. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, so, we have a message from Arik who wrote about a couple things. Loved the Brie revisit. Always fun to go back. The old one-ounce serving size. That is amazing self-control for someone who can pull that <laughs> off. <laughs> Trying to do a cheese royalty family tree will definitely lead to a heated cheese debate. Mm. And then, who is going to start a coup to overthrow the king? <gasps> I say we take over the month of March and turn it into feastuary. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> For the mini episodes, maybe savor tapas or savor small bites. Anyway, I do agree. I do agree with Lauren on Will Ferrell. I don't dislike him, but his humor is not really my style. I also agree that Elf on the Shelf is really pretty creepy. <laughs> <laughs> that maple syrup pasta seems like it could work if you do a light touch with the maple syrup, and maybe had some chopped bacon or pancetta. 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 Uh, pan, 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 pancetta. <laughs> pancetta. I can't get anything right. Um, <laughs> if you had to do candy, maybe a few of those small cinnamon candies like Red Hots or whatever it is people decorate some sugar cookies with. Oh. I think the salt of bacon or pancetta would work better, though. I also like the idea of upsetting Kellogg with junky cereals. <laughs> The Doritos flavored liqueur would depend on how you feel about Doritos. They are one of those chips that I really only want if I get a craving for them. And the fun of holiday meals. I'm still trying to convince people that we can just do pizza and beer. (laughs) (laughs) We did buy a pre-cooked prime rib for Christmas this year that just needed to be warmed up, but I still put together a bunch of sides. Roasted carrots with pomegranate molasses, mushroom gravy, mushy peas, caramelized onion, mushroom, and goat cheese on puff pastry, and gratin potatoes with gouda, mozzarella, goat cheese, cheddar, and parmigiano reggiano. Oh, my God. Oh. That sounds so good. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I love how you're kind of like, oh, we just did this this year. Yeah. Like pizza or whatever, <laughs> but this simple thing with all of those delicious. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm with you. I'm. 
I do like doing the fancy meal, but because we have so many in a quick succession. It's just like, like oh, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Give it yeah, a rest. Sometimes. Yeah. Let's just order in, do something easy. Yeah. We don't have to do this. Yeah. We, we could. We could do we, this. Yeah. We could save it for, I don't know, but you don't want to warm up your whole kitchen like that when it's, when it's hot out. So. It's true. Mm. For a while, I tried to convince my family that we should do, essentially, we should move Thanksgiving to June. Uh, so then they would be equally spread out Mm, Um, uh uh and we tried it like two years and I think it was a hit but we stopped doing it (laughs) yeah yeah it's hard you know (laughs) uh (laughs) yes uh also uh so the most of these notes are from the short we did about holiday advertising Uh uh I did forget to mention in this maple pasta that is from Elf, the movie. Uh, apparently, Pop-Tarts are involved. Uh, oh. I did not mention that in the episode, but there are Pop-Tarts also. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot. I mean, it is. <laughs> it's an endeavor. <laughs> I do think the salt would help. I think if you went light yeah. with your maple syrup and had mm-hmm. something to counteract it. To balance it. it, sure. Yeah. And I like the idea of spice in there too, you know? Sure. Yeah. But, um, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone's had it, you've got to let us know. You've got to let us know. <laughs> Oof, <duh>. uh, Okay. Kelly wrote, um, is it too late to still wish you a happy new year? I have had email saver languishing at the bottom of my to-do list for literally more than a year now. 2023 was relentless. Uh, And I've accumulated a couple of topics. Uh, Apologies for lumping them all together, but at least I'm finally sending the message. First, a little over a year ago, some of your other wonderful listeners wrote in and did in fact help solve my cookie mystery. Uh, Pariser wafers? are definitely the ones I remember from childhood, um, sometimes called cream wafers, yes. Uh, so so a huge and hugely belated thank you to all of them. A few weeks ago, when you did the Pizzelle episode, it reminded me of a different Norwegian cookie that we've always had around the holidays, uh, krumkake. Yeah, I think. Uh, they are similar to Pizzelle and made with the same kind of iron, except that as soon as you take it off the iron, you wrap it around a cone-shaped mold, similar to a waffle cone or a cannoli shell. Also, I think they're usually flavored with vanilla or almond. I'm not sure if um, anise or other flavors are used for uh, krumkake. Finally, I also wanted to mention that your episode on Chinese five spice reminded me that Indian cooking also uses a different five spice blend called, um, and I looked this up, I couldn't find it, Panch Foron? Panch Foron? Sure. It's often used in dal, uh, and the name literally means five spices. It's also connected to the English word punch, meaning the drink, which originated in India during the years of the British Empire and was typically made with five ingredients, water, sugar, alcohol, lemon or lime juice, and spices. Ooh. Mm, mm-hmm. I loved all. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Um, we could definitely do an episode on that. And I feel like, again, we could have a mini-series on cookies at this point. We're getting... So many cookie information. That's <laughs> excellent news. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. We'll we'll have to we'll have to. I, I feel like yeah, there could be be little little like mini mini episodes um, mm. about some of those because right, it's just like 
what kind of cookie are you making today? And then some of them are very long episodes because you have whole histories of cookie irons. And yeah. Yeah. You know, we could have like a cookie table sometimes. Long episode about a brand that made this whole cookie a thing or a short episode. Um, Could be anything. It could be anything. Also, I do love that the listeners, the good listeners, helped you solve your mystery. Yes. I remember reading that. Yes. And I remember people writing in. <laughs> this is the power of the audience. Look I'm what glad. You've done. Yes, yes, yes. I'm glad that the, that the message made its way through. Yeah. Yes. That's so great. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> oh. mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, well, thank you to both of these listeners for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. Oh, we're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening. And we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.